From the windows, doors, and more studios, your one-stop shop for all your kitchen and bath needs. The Pat Miller Program. Whoa, whoa. 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. Depend on it. Hey, welcome back. It is the Pat Miller Program here on this Tuesday. Uh, and we are uh, trying right now to break through. There's some phone complications between us and Washington, D.C., which I don't know why, because on our end, we always talk to Philip Wegman uh, on Tuesday afternoon from Real Clear Politics. And on our end, I know that we paid our phone bill, but I have a strong feeling here that maybe with, with you know, Real Clear Politics or Philip Wegman personally, there's something terribly, terribly wrong. Mr. Wegman, are you in fact there and have you paid your phone bill? I have paid my phone bill. I am here, but I'm thinking that that might be the uh, secret to getting some peace and quiet. Maybe uh, one of these months I go on vacation and just don't pay the phone bill. See? You're learning from the Pat Miller School of how to get ahead and not really care. Uh, (laughs) Philip is is with Real Clear Politics. He is their White House correspondent. We have him on every Tuesday. And, Philip, just for matters, just so you know, you're on, as always right now, in uh, greater Fort Wayne on uh, WoWo, and you're also on 95.3 MNC up in the greater South Bend area. So things for you there in uh, in the uh, Washington conclave uh, are going for you how? Things are going well? Things are going well. Um, we just had a White House briefing with um, the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, but also with uh, President Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, uh-huh. who was briefing reporters ahead of the president's trip to G20 and then also ahead of his trip to Vietnam. And um, more and more foreign policy uh, because of what's going on in Ukraine, because of increased tensions with China, that is coming into the fore. Where Where is all this landing? I mean, you know, you've, you, we hear of China and, and it's almost like we can't bring up the idea of China without it s- seeping into our military complex, without it seeping into our medical complex, without it seeping into our ability to take care of ourselves. Do they owe us more money than we owe them? Who, who's got the better debt collectors, them or us? I mean, it's just it's like a never ending thing. And then on top of all this, we throw in what we're doing right now, where you throw in a bank, you know, and you're sitting there talking about, uh, you know, the World Bank. I can just hear people listening to us right now all over northern Indiana, and their heads are about to explode. And they're like, I, I just can't take anymore. I mean, is it not enough that China is a problem here, 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 and here? Now you're telling me they're a problem with the World Bank also? They really are a problem with the World Bank. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of set the table here, China was expected to liberalize back in the 1980s and 1990s. There was this big consensus that if the United States was nice to China, then they would be nice to us, that trade would bring with it liberalization. That didn't happen. Instead, what we've seen from China is they have gotten increasingly aggressive, even as uh, they have become more and more wealthy, thanks in large part to Western investment. And I think what's happening currently is this conversation that was Um, you know, relegated to the think tank world or maybe relegated to individuals who had lost something to China, whether it was a job um, or, uh, you know, they saw their community start to fall apart after there was outsourcing of industry. You know, they were having this conversation, but it wasn't front and center like it is today. And I think it's because the pandemic forced the China question 
um, in front of our lawmakers, and they have had to slowly but surely abandon the old consensus that if we just trade with China, they'll be nice to us. And, and I, was, I was shocked um, this morning by the fact that I wasn't surprised by this new Wall Street Journal report, which shows that um, you know, Chinese nationals posing as, as tourists um, have accessed U.S. military bases and other sensitive sites uh, as many as 100 times in the last couple of years. I mean, this is becoming a steady drumbeat, and I think it is also becoming something not just that Washington, D.C. is focused on, but now that you know, the, the entire country is focused on. Is, is this being ramped up? from the Chinese perspective, because um, we don't trust them like we used to. Even some, I, I, very cautious, I'm using the word some, even some national media people uh, are now saying maybe China isn't all it was cracked up to be. Uh, maybe we need to question them on some things. Do you think maybe the, the response of China to us with the change of the last administration, I mean, there's no question that since the last election, they've gotten much more aggressive uh, against us and to us. And I'm just wondering if China is is going to wear out their welcome, and if they do, is there anything we can do about it? So the reason why um, I find China so fascinating, just, you know, this, um, you know, news cycle, this uh, month, this summer, is because the Biden administration has tried to um, mend the, that relationship after the pandemic. A lot of these things that, uh, you know, were just once worries, they became very real realities when we couldn't get the, um, you know, personal protective equipment that we needed during the pandemic, or we couldn't get um, the, uh, you know, so some of these generic medicines that we needed. Suddenly, you know, it wasn't an academic exercise. It was very real. China was using some of their supply chains and some of the industry that, you know, they took over um, to help themselves out first. And so the Biden administration has tried to mend that relationship. They, they say that they seek, um, you know, competition with China in terms of economics, but not conflict. But what we've seen uh, from Beijing is they're actually in a pretty tough spot. Their, their, their demographics are, are going off uh, a cliff. They are yep. not, you know, replacing their population um, as you know normal, healthy societies do. And then also, uh, their economy is in a bit of a uh, a bubble because of some of the real estate uh, decisions that they made there. So there's all sorts of, you know, uncertainty in China. And the fear is that China's national leaders would see, you know, conflict with uh, the United States or conflict with some of our partners as a way to unify. Uh, their own nation in a time of crisis. And the Biden administration, they've sent three cabinet secretaries over to Beijing, Secretary Yellen, Secretary Blinken, Secretary Raimondo. And at a moment when, you know, Republicans uh, and increasingly more and more Democrats are saying we need to wake up to an aggressive China, um, you know, they're, they, they don't seem to be, um, you know, laying down the law and being as aggressive as, uh, you know, some, some, some might hope. I mean, you know, we just learned earlier this month that uh, China was behind the hacking of the, the Commerce Department's, um, you know, databases and, and website, and that there has not been, you know, a, a clear rebuke um, like you would expect. 
Yeah, yeah, not a clear rebuke at all. Um, you know, one of the things that surprises me about China, like you said, you know, of you know their population bubble. Um, you know, I remember a time in the last ten years. When the United States, we spoke of China and their view on population with some concern, things like, you know, no more than 1.2 children per family, no more than than 0.5% of a percentage female. In other words, we want males, we want males, and that's about all we want. Uh, we'll let you have females when we think we need them, so just let them go, because they're just trying to control their, political, their, their political and their military forethinking. And it's like the world said, we don't understand their thinking. Well, now I don't think China understands their own thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and they, they did uh, rescind their one China policy because they realized that they were not going to be able to sustain their population. Uh, the fear is that because of some of that uncertainty and instability, that they would then seek conflict abroad. And all of this is sort of the subtext for Biden's trip to the G20 Um, It is notable that President Xi, the Chinese leader, will not be at that summit. Normally, Chinese leaders show up to to every G20 summit. They have been doing so since 2008. But they're kind of giving the the West the cold shoulder there. And the United States um, is clearly, you know, stepping into that vacuum. The the president said he was disappointed, but uh, he expected to meet with with Xi later. And so... um, you know, my question to the administration is, uh, you know, what are the different delineations for your, your actions uh, on the world stage, especially when it comes to finance? Um, if you are funding, you know, the World Bank, are you doing it as a um, sort of counter-programming to China's Belt and Road Initiative, um, or are you doing this, you know, for, for other priorities? And um, sometimes, you know, uh, critics will say that uh, this administration's China policy is confusing. Well, to say the least. Uh, and um, I, yeah, I, I think, too, and, and, I, and I get what you're saying, that maybe they've decided not to go to India this time for this particular summit because they want to show the West they're in charge. I think they're afraid. And I don't think they're afraid that somebody's going to try to shoot him at the summit. I think they're afraid that people are not just ready to openly and willingly except everything about China that China wants to say about itself. I think they're thinking that maybe uh, China has actually gone beyond that part in their life and they need to get their act together. Mm -hmm. And so the administration is in um, an interesting spot because the the Overton window has shifted. No one is saying uh, that China is going to suddenly become a responsible, um, you know, world citizen. And so, uh, you know, the, the question is, how does this administration build alliances with, um, you know, Australia, the United Kingdom, uh, some of these other Indo-Pacific uh, countries that are, are you know, seen in aggressive China? How do they, they do that while at the same time balancing some of their domestic policies? And I was really surprised uh, today when a reporter pressed Sullivan on why the administration uh, was going to be spending an extra $25 billion to support the World Bank if it wasn't to counter China. And, and Sullivan said, well, you know, China is part of the World Bank. Clearly, it's not an effort to, um, you know, counter that, that power. We don't, we don't see it that way. Um, you know, my question then is, all right, well, if, if this funding isn't meant 
to counter-program or, or counteract, um, you know, the chief existential threat to the United States. Well, you know, what is it for? What, you know, what is this foreign aid, um, you know, actually accomplishing yep. on behalf of the, uh, you know, the, the average American citizen? Well, and, and here's one thing. I don't think that we're going to get a good answer from our government about what it means, and I don't think we're going to get a good answer from the Chinese government to validate whether or not the U.S. thoughts on it are correct or not correct. Uh, Philip, as always, I appreciate you, my friend, and uh, thanks for hopping in on a short week and for continuing to stand in for all us up there at the White House. We appreciate you, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Pat. Podcasts by Federated Media.